0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the, broken. the strength of
1: man, it doesn't even come close to what Jesus has to offer. And we'll see even with Satan, the strength of Satan doesn't even come close to the strength of Jesus. But here's one word, it says, his mouth came a sharp sword with it, he struck down the nations, he ruled them with an iron rod, and he trod the winepress with fierce wrath, the fierce wrath of Almighty God. On his robe and his thigh were written the title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
0: There's going to be scenes playing out in the end times that you can only use your imagination to picture. There's going to be so much chaos and war between good and evil, and only one is going to come out on top. Pastor James has some good news for you today if you know Christ and follow Him. There's no power greater than Him, and no one can ever defeat Him. There's nothing about Satan that you need to fear, and God is going to finally give him the punishment he needs, along with all who choose to follow Him. As a child of God, you can't find any greater joy. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 19, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: There may not be like a large, you know, oven up in heaven to, you know, shovel in your righteous works to see which ones actually work. I think Jesus with his fire eyes is just going to be like, burn them all down and be like, well, here you go. Here's what's left. You know, we don't need an oven for that because his eyes are going to see right through it all, right through it all. It says, the name was written on him and only he knew what it meant. Fascinating. But what does it mean? I don't know. Nobody knows. Only He knows. This one little sentence, this one little sentence should make heaven all that much more appealing to you, okay? For eternity. Jesus, hey, what's that name? <laughs> what's the written on? What is that? you're going to have eternity to really get to know Him, an eternity to really get to know Him. Will you ever, will we ever figure out what this means? I have no clue. I, know I have no clue. But... Just that one little tidbit of information has sparked my interest even that much more to be like, man, I can't wait to get there because I want to know what that name is. Like, what is that? Well, why wouldn't you tell us? Maybe you'll find out later. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he's got this name and only he knows what it means. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, whose blood? Probably his own. And his title was the word of God. Well, that's a fascinating title. John is very familiar with this because back in the Gospel of John, he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And here he is seeing Jesus. He sees Jesus like the door of heaven is opened up and Jesus is riding on this white stallion, no longer a donkey. It's a white stallion. And John is observing, he's taking this all in and it says his title was the Word of God. The word of God, the armies of heaven, verse 14, dressed in pure white linen, followed him on white horses. That's us. That's the believers. It's you and I. Have you ever ridden a horse? Oh, it's awesome. It's so fun. It's the coolest thing. I love horses are amazing creatures. Um, I've ridden on a few of them. And uh, man, there will come this day when the door of heaven is opened up and we will be in formation behind Jesus, because he's the general, right? He's the man. But we will be on horses. Like, are these like real horses or heavenly horses? And what's a heavenly horse even look like? I mean, is it like an earthly horse that's, I don't know. But John looks at him and he's like, look at those horses. Man, that's awesome. White horses in there. Everybody's just pure white linen, which means that, I mean, it's just shining, just brilliance. And we follow him on white horses. This will happen. This will happen. Get, go go ride some horses now. Get some practice in now, okay? You don't want to look like a fool on this day. No, you're not going to, right? You're going to have like glorified bodies and all that stuff. I don't know how that's going to make you a better horseback rider. But anyways, you can go get horse riding lessons now and be like, I'm just practicing for heaven. I'm just getting ready. I mean, that's all it is. My pastor, Bill Gim, up in Amarillo, has a different thought on this. He thinks white horses should be translated Harleys. He really thinks that it's going to be Harley Davison's, right? And he's been in a Harley his whole life. And he's like, ah, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. Like, fired up, right? Um, I think they're going to be horses. Uh, We're following behind him, but he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us for what happens next. But we get to go with him. We get to go with him. Isn't that the coolest thing about Jesus, that he brings us along? He's like the dad with the little kid who the dad is, quote unquote, letting the little kid help him mow the lawn. The kid's doing nothing. But the dad is providing all the strength, all the energy, all the effort to mow the grass. And the little kid feels good about it, thinking like, man, I'm accomplishing so much. He Feels like a big boy. When the dad understands, like, I did all the work. In fact, he made it a whole lot harder on me. I could have done it in half the time that it took me to mow it with you, which is probably true of us and the gospel and, you know, serving the Lord Jesus. He's probably like, I could have had this done a lot earlier. But he brings us along. And it's so cool. It's amazing. He really is the great shepherd. He really is. Verse 15, it says, out of his mouth came a sharp sword. And with it, he struck down the nation's. Now, I don't believe that this is a literal sword. I think this is a word that is spoken from his mouth. So you got these armies that have gathered together to combat against him, and all he needs to wipe them all out is actually probably just one word. We don't know what that is. We don't, it could be a sentence. It could be a small little phrase. It could be a, it's finished. We don't know. We don't know what this word is or words, but that's all it takes from Jesus Bring your armies. Bring the best you have. Bring all the clever weapons that you've manufactured and developed and all that stuff. It's not even going to help you out in the least bit, because all it takes from Jesus is one little word, one word. They're gone. That's the strength of man. The strength of man, it doesn't even come close to what Jesus has to offer. Like, it doesn't even come close. And we'll see even with Satan. The strength of Satan doesn't even come close to the strength of Jesus. But here's one word. It says, his mouth came a sharp sword with it. He struck down the nations. He ruled them with an iron rod. And he trod the winepress with fierce wrath, the fierce wrath of Almighty God. On his robe and his thigh were written the title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's just amazing. On his robe... And on his thigh. So there's some thought that, like, maybe that's stitched in on his robe. Maybe that's tattooed on his thigh. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know different translations, they sometimes separate those two. On his robe was written this, and also on his thigh were written this. And then, you know, you get the New Living Translation, which makes it seem like, well, maybe it was just on the hem of his robe there. We don't know. Don't know. Uh, Where it is on his body doesn't really matter because it's just true. It's true. He could have one of those stickers that says, hello, I am King of kings and Lord of lords, for all that matters. Like, that's who he is. That's who he is. And he shows up and he's like, look, bring it. Bring your best, because I'm going to squash you. And this has been seven years. We finally get to this point. But this has been seven years of hostility towards Jesus, hatred towards Jesus. And God has been gracious and long-suffering and patient and given them chance after chance and opportunity after opportunity to turn and to repent to him. And at the end of it, you get they all come together, think, well, we'll just make one big army and we'll fight against you. And Jesus is like, all right, if this is what you want, then you leave me no choice. To war we go. And if you ever want to go to war against God, you will lose 100% of the time, 100%. But this is the mindset of humanity, just so, like, deceived and just so, like, anti-Jesus and all this stuff that they're ready to fight Him, which I had this thought today, too, because we live in a time where we're anticipating the rapture. Uh, We're looking for the rapture. We want the rapture to happen. And uh, I was talking to um, one of the gentlemen who attends our church, and the church that they go to out in California had all their windows smashed in by all the peaceful protesters, you know, because that's, that's what they are, right? They're peaceful protesters who just like to smash windows for no reason. Um, and they're targeting churches, um, which is amazing. But I had the thought, we are in this generation that we want the rapture to happen. What we need to come to realization of is this. If we are on the doorstep of the rapture, we ought to understand that the hatred from the world concerning anything that looks like Jesus or represents Jesus is going to be intensifying. What we would like is for it to be like smooth selling, like everything's going really good, really good, and then boom, rapture. That's probably not how it's going to go. I would assume for the church, it's going to be like things are getting difficult, the tension is growing. Like, it's getting hostile. And then maybe, boom, we're out of here. I really think that that's going to be more of the church's experience than just this, like, oh, it's good. Everything's really good. We're having a great time and no problems or anything like that. The world, way, hey, they love us and all this stuff. I think when the rapture happens, it's going to be around a time frame or some sort of scenario where the world is going to be like, oh, man, oh, we're so glad all those morons are gone, all those troublemakers Spread coronavirus, right? Because it only spreads in churches. I don't know if you guys know that. It only spreads in churches. It's amazing. Shut them down. Burn it down. All this nonsense. The tension's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to grow. I think it has to. I think it has to. And if we're part of that generation that will get to experience the rapture of the church, where that's like God calling the church to heaven, okay, Um. I would want us to understand, I would hope that you understand that if that is, because nobody knows when the rapture is going to happen. Nobody knows. It could be 10 years from now. It could be 50 years from now. Nobody knows. Nobody has any clue. It could be one day away. Praise God. We're hoping on that one, right? We're like, we want that one. But you need to know this. You should not be fearful. Because let's say the rapture happens in our lifetime. Then God has placed you here on this planet to endure that, not because you're tough enough, not because you're strong enough, but because he wanted you to be here to serve him. It could have been anybody else, but maybe he's chosen this generation to be faithful until the very end, regardless of what the temperature was like in our culture, in our society. It's going to get hostile. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to get hostile. It is. We should expect that. I mean, how many more natural disasters do you really need to happen right now before it's like, okay, I think these are all wake-up calls. Earthquakes in places where, like, they shouldn't have earthquakes there. They just had not, it wasn't too long ago, I think it was maybe last year or something, they had an earthquake up in Amarillo, Texas, My brother is telling me, he's like, yeah, I was at my house, and our house did this thing. Whoa. And now all the molding and stuff in the house is all off. Well, I've experienced a little earthquake in Amarillo before, but that's happening in other places. There's, I think it was like just this last week, there was like what they considered a hurricane that went through the middle of America. Nobody's really talking about that. That's a little unfortunate that there's... We know it's summertime. I get it. Colorado's going to experience fires. California's going to experience fires. That's all happening out there. I think that a lot of these things just serve as reminders. I was just telling some people earlier it's snowing in China right now. In the summer, it's snowing. like, And that rarely happens. And for some of those individuals to be like, I think God's trying to tell us something, that should be a wake up call for everybody. It's like, What is? I think the earth is experiencing pains. We just have to pay attention, pay attention. What's going on? What's happening within our world? Oftentimes, nature is communicating to us the most. And nature is the most honest thing to us. You can't trust media outlets, that's for sure. We don't know what side they're on, or what they're even trying to propagate or anything. But nature is very honest and says, hey, um, I'm about done. I'm about ready for him to come back, and I think he might be coming back pretty soon. So you might want to be paying attention. Just all these wake-up calls, they're there. Pay attention. I mean, things are just going to get more and more chaotic. It's just going to get crazy. Um, If you don't want to be a part of the marriage feast, the wedding feast, there's another meal for you to show up to, okay? There's another party. You don't want to be a part of it. But if you don't want to show up to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is simply this. If you want to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb, you surrender your life to Jesus and say, listen, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. And I believe that you're the only way to heaven. So please be the King of kings and Lord of lords within my life. I'm surrendering to you. Boom. Tickets punched. You're good. There you go. Now, there's more that happens to that. I'm simplifying it. And, you know, the New Testament was written so that children could understand it. Um, And, you know, read Romans. Romans is very clear on exactly how to get to heaven. But you want to show up to that party. You want to be a part of that one because there's another party that's going to happen and and we're going to read this. So you got this great war. It's not even much of a war, but Jesus just wipes out these armies, goes on to say, uh, verse 17 I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures or to the birds of the air flying in the sky, come gather together for the great banquet that God has prepared. This is not one you want to be a part of, okay? Because this one, you're part of the menu, all right? You're not part of the one feasting. You're on the menu. It says, come gather. There's a great banquet God has prepared. Verse 18, come and eat the flesh of kings captains, strong warriors of heroes, horses and the riders, and all of humanity, of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. This is a meal you don't want to be a part of. And the the way out of this is simple. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Because this is where humanity is headed towards. And this isn't even the end of it all either, because there's more to come. Verse 19, it says, then I saw the great beast gathering the kings of the earth and their armies in order to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped his statue or his image. Both the beast, this is the Antichrist, is the beast, and his false prophet were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came out of the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. That's Jesus. That's that word spoken to them. And all the vultures of the sky gorged themselves on the dead bodies. So here's the end. antichrist, false prophet. They live. they survived this battle, but God just like swoops them up and is like, you know, just shoots a three-pointer right into the lake of fire. Those guys go alive into this thing. Like there's, They're done. Done. This is it. Antichrist, you know, as impressive as this person supposedly is, and this false prophet, as impressive as that person supposedly is, they're done. Done. Into the lake of fire. They're never going to come out of this. That's it. That's where they deserve to go. And God just, I love it. It's just so simple how God deals with these guys. He just, there's no battle. There's no struggle. There's no fight. Picks them up. Throw them like, trash into the garbage, because that's what they are. I'm, that's what they are. The Antichrist was here and completely just murdering Christians, murdering believers, beheading believers, because they will not worship his idol. The image that's set up that's resembling him, the false prophet who is leading people astray, also, participating in the beheading of individuals who have uh, aligned themselves or devoted their lives to Jesus, scoops them up, throws them into the lake of fire. Like, he doesn't even have time for them. Like, just like snatches them up and is like, all right, you guys are gone. You guys are gone. You would think there'd be more, like, oh, these are like big deal guys, right? We, there needs to be more. And God's like, I don't think so. They're just men. They're just men. They're wicked. They're absolutely wicked. They're corrupt. Snatch them up, throw them in the lake of fire. That's where they deserve to go. That's where they belong. That's where they wanted to go. They wanted to be anywhere but with God. And so God's like, all right, have what you want. So you move now because those guys have been dealt with, but they're still the bad guy, Satan. He's still on the scene. So that's why we transitioned into 20 because we don't want to just stop there. We've worked all our way through Revelation. We want to see the bad guy go down too, right? Well, here's his, the end of Satan. It says then I saw an angel came down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so that Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he would be released again for a little while. That causes some, like, why, Why? okay? We'll address that. Um, Some important things to note. John looks and he sees an angel. This isn't Michael. This isn't Gabriel. He didn't even know this angel's name, as far as we know. This is just another angel. And this one, just another angel, is more than strong enough to bound up the devil, Satan, the dragon, with this chain, he just comes down, locks him up, picks him up, throws him into the bottomless pit, slams the door, and puts a padlock on that thing. This is just an angel. We have this really, really messed up view of who Satan is. We attribute to him. Now, listen, I don't go poking bears, okay? Like I'm not looking to you know starting in trouble, but he's not as strong as what we think he is. Is he smarter than I am? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Does he know the word better than I do? Oh, yeah, I'm sure of it, absolutely. He I means he's an angel, but he's not stronger than any other angels. He doesn't even come close to Jesus. Like, that's the thing. Is like, it's always Jesus versus Satan, and which one's gonna win? No, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus made him, along with all the other angels. And so this one angel who's like up in heaven will maybe meet this guy one day. And he's like, oh, and we're like, well, who's that guy over there? Oh, I'm just a guy. I locked up Satan. Like, I threw him into the bottomless pit. Oh, they didn't even tell us your name. He's like, I know, I know. I'm just a normal angel. I'm just a regular Joe up here in heaven. We're like, that's who I am. So he doesn't even get a name, but it doesn't matter because all it takes is an angel to bound up the most wicked thing that has made its presence, you know, known here on this earth. An angel shows up and locks him up. Now, again, you guys understand you've been with us through the book of Revelation. We don't go spewing uh, insults at the devil. He's still a roaring lion who prowls around seeking whom he may devour, okay? I don't care if he doesn't have teeth, all right? Still, a lion with no teeth and no claws can still hurt you, all right, like trying to mess with. But the Lord rebuke you, the Lord rebuke you, but i'm not going to attribute power to somebody who doesn't have it who doesn't have it i'm not going to live in fear of an angel who doesn't even compete with the god who takes up residency with inside of me now is he oppressive yeah do him and the other fallen angels do they mess with us and cause issues yeah absolutely they're the enemy for sure they are the enemy they are wicked But please know this, have proper perspective on this. It only takes an unknown angel from heaven to lock up Satan. That's it. Jesus doesn't come down and do it. He doesn't come down and do it. He's still on the horse. He didn't even have to get off the horse. He's just like, hey, angel, Bob, Bob, hey, come. Yeah, no, he's in the back. Okay, bring him out. Bob, go get him. Really, I get to, yeah, yeah, We go, throw Bob a bone. Bob's like, yes, I get to do something. Um, we don't know who this angel is, but this is a pretty awesome gig for this guy. He's been waiting for the whole history of the world. He's like, this is my moment. This is it, like, this is my moment. There you go. Good job, angel. Good job. He wraps him up. There's no struggle. There's no epic cosmic battle. There's none of that. Satan is bound. And the way that this is phrased, just so we understand, it's as simple as it's said.
0: For the hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken, yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. It's so important to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And one of those ways is to study His Word. At Bread for the Broken, we want to help you with this by providing as many tools as possible, like our online library of teachings. If you enjoyed today's teaching from the book of Revelation, you can hear it again on our website at breadforthebroken.com. You can also find other verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings by clicking on the Teachings tab. If you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to have you visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet every Sunday and Wednesday for a time of worship and Bible study. We're a laid-back church and encourage you to always come as you are. You can find directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so feel free to drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Would you also consider partnering with us here at Bread for the Broken in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry and in many ways a mission field. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team at Bread for the Broken? Pray that we would all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and we'd be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Would you also pray about supporting this ministry financially? All donations can be made securely online at breadforthebroken.com and are greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in to be with us today on Bread for the Broken.